Comrades and friends, uh, hello. Uh, we're coming to you from the bunker with a uh, brief correction. You know that uh, I do mispronounce names all the time, uh, but when I mispronounce one that I don't want to, I will come back and correct it. Uh, at the end of our Anthony Del Colo episode, we were talking about uh, political prisoners. Uh, he had a, a colleague uh, who was imprisoned in South Sudan. Uh, we were talked about uh, Chelsea Manning, Lula, um, and I mentioned the indigenous rights activist uh, Leonard Peltier. I said Richard Peltier. I don't know why I did, um, but I, I I would like everybody to uh, maybe take a look at um, the background and history of Le of Leonard Peltier. Uh, he is still a political prisoner, and maybe we'll be talking more about him as time goes on. All right, cheers, everybody. Left is best. Welcome, everyone. Uh, we are here uh, from our hermetically sealed totally sterile bunker uh, inside the Highlands Bunker Complex. We're in the shadow of Rockford Tower. We're in the belly of the beast. We're behind enemy lines. And uh, even though we're, uh, we're following social distancing and isolation and quarantine orders, we're still watching. We have ways, so we know what's happening. Um, we're being as safe as possible. Uh, Carl is on the knobs, but masked up. And uh, that's how we're rolling here for now. So we hope, um, we hope you and yours are uh, healthy and, and safe and uh, trying to pull through this. But we'll try to give you some uh, some cool political conversation while you're uh, riding it out. So I wanted to introduce uh, our guest today, my friend, um, national activist and former uh, Senate candidate, uh, Carrie Harris. Hello, Carrie. Hey, how are you? Thank I'm, you for having me on. I'm very, very happy to have you on. Um, before we get into, um, and maybe we'll, we'll tie it up at the end too, but before we get into sort of a couple of the topics I wanted to talk about, uh, what are you working on specifically remotely? Like, how are you? How are you doing organizing? Or um, what are you sort of working on? And um, how's it? How's it working? Yeah. So um, since we've gone into quarantine, a lot of what I've been doing is uh, dealing with folks who have questions. Um, you know, we take for granted oftentimes that information is being relayed to everyone, uh, but we forget that we are those who are fully engaged in the political process. So. Um, as a result of, you know, our, our campaign, uh, a lot of people still contact me for uh, information about what's going on within our state and nationally. And so uh, the number of people who have reached out with um, concerns about how will they have, you know, have enough food to eat, what happens if their income is cut, um, even things as far as education, we take for granted, even myself, you know, uh, we get messages from teachers all the time, but in Sussex, there isn't an internet presence. I remember when I was campaigning how difficult it was to participate um, in many of the things that I needed to via the internet because in Western Sussex, uh, internet service is either non-existent or horribly slow. And so uh, downloads and uh, keeping up with folks was, was a problem. And so a lot of what I've been doing is uh, fielding calls, connecting people with their representatives, um, answering questions, uh, and then outside of that, as far as my working uh, presence, I have been, you know, just working on trying to amp up the organizations I've been working on, um, speaking with candidates and giving suggestions about what I feel can help move them forward. Um, and then with the party, obviously, you know, reminding them just as I, I did right now that 
uh, we can't forget about the folks who aren't as fortunate as us uh, as we, you know, maneuver through this pivotal time of dealing with this virus and then also going into a, a, a major election, um, not just the presidential, but from local all the way up to national politics, a lot is on the line. So uh, how do we navigate that, get people involved and make sure everybody is uh, better on the other side? Cool. Well, thanks for everything you're doing, especially locally with, you know, supporting people and, and making sure that they can connect with, you know, the, the representatives and the services that they need, because, yeah, it's, it's a real it's a real crisis, worldwide crisis. So people are hurting and I hope, um, you know, solidarity is going to be a big thing, solidarity in your community, uh, making sure that we all pull through it as best we can. Absolutely. So we we corresponded. um I guess it was about a month ago. It was before really, um, you know, we were on social uh, distancing and physical distancing and, and isolation and all of that. Um, and we exchanged a few messages and it was, um, it was, it was gloomy. It was, it was, it was gloom and doom. I was gloomy. You were gloomy. Um, <laughs> and we didn't, we didn't come around and say it, but you know, um, you know, the Bernie campaign kind of got, kind of got jumped a little bit and you know, this thing was looming with with the uh, with the coronavirus, and so a lot of um, you know, sort of electoral campaign activism was sort of depressing, and then a lot of regular organizing, community work was sort of slowing down, and it was kind of like blah. Um, but I so I kind of wanted to like just talk about that on on two levels: one, sort of the political electoral campaign level. And also on the community uh, sort of organizing and activist level, and I guess so. First on the on the campaign level, just in general, um, what I mean, what did Bernie do wrong? What do you think? What's your? I mean, obviously it's not over till it's over, but it looks, you know, I, we 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 keep it real here, so you know, it is what it is. Um, what if if what are your critiques of either? Uh, of either the campaign generally or strategic or policy wise or or what do you have sort of a have you been reflecting on those things uh yes and and you know i can't say it's it's uh any one thing um we know that in general there has is a a tendency to pull away from change that we're not sure of um you know and and i the, the thing that I give Bernie credit for is his integrity. Um, it's something that I hold dear to myself and, uh, and I know that's something that's important to him. And, and, you know, but there has to be a point where you understand the difference between integrity and not ha playing um, dirty politics and making it clear to the electorate what are some of the um, areas that could be uh, unsafe for them and their families and their communities, right? And so uh, we know that there is something that is not quite right with, uh, with Joe Biden, right? We, none of us know what it is. We can't put our finger on it, but we know that it has, we're not freaking out because of age. Anybody that knows me well knows my parents. I would put my mom to be up to be president over Trump any day of the week. However, um, she can put a coherent sentence together. She doesn't need coaching with it. Uh, I wouldn't need to hide her from the public to make sure that uh, people felt secure with her leadership. Um, and the fact that that is happening with 
are front runner as a concern to me. Um, and again, you know, Bernie's integrity tells him that it's, it's dirty politics, but I don't think it's dirty politics to expose the truth. Um, well, I would even go, I, I would even, before we get into Biden, because I actually have, uh, you know, a couple topics I want to talk about and get your, get your feelings on. But before we do that, I think, you, which, I think your point, um, if you make it more broadly, is important. Um, because I jotted something down, it's exactly like that. It's, it's, I don't think Bernie, he's the leader of the movement. And he has integrity and authenticity in that respect. He's been a, a good politician, um, but I don't think he is was. I don't think to, what you have to do as a candidate, he couldn't do it. When he was asked, "Well, can any of these candidates beat Trump?" He says, "They all can." Well, that may be true, and he really may believe that, or he may think it's good to say that. But you have to pull like a you know pull a Trump. Yeah, none of these people are any good. I'm the only one. You have to say, you know, I've fought against um, everything, you know, all, all of these things that Joe Biden thinks is great. All the things that Kamala Harris, Pete, Beto, uh, Cory Booker, Julian Castro, Kamala, like I, he, he can't, he's not confrontational like that. So the things that people are saying he, he had to do or should have done or whether, you know, even just being able to, to say, yeah, this is what I believe. This is why it's important. This is why I believe it. But it's this is also why it's better than what they're doing, and 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 really be adversarial about it. But I don't think that that's like that's not his style. And if he did that, would he be the leader of the movement? Like, I just don't think I don't think those two things go together. Yeah, I, I mean, he definitely could have been more aggressive in so many areas. Um, and you know, I believe that you can be aggressive, hold your ground, and still be um, civil. And honorable and have your integrity. I, there, I, I don't know about you, but I know that I've watched a, a number of debates and a question would be posed and I'm yelling at it, like, say it, say these things, you know, this is true. And it, and um, again, it would have been facts-based, it would have been respectful, and it would have educated the uh, electorate, which is what a, um, a presidential candidate or any candidate should be doing when they're in a debate, right? Um, but it, it didn't happen. And um, I don't know for sure what the what debate practice was like, but there are certain areas that I felt um, were just common sense questions that would have come up. Uh, I mean, how many times can you get the how are we going to pay for it and not have a, a quick way to respond? Yeah. Um, you know, and, and so but hindsight is twenty twenty, and outside of outside of Bernie, there are some responsibilities that we have. Uh, as as um, supporters, um, we weren't doing really well at um, building building coalitions, right? Being very welcoming to people who had different opinions. Uh, you know me, Rob. You know that I'm someone that wants to hear what somebody has to say, give them the reasons why I stand where I stand, and encourage them to come across, right? Uh, we were we were very quick to attack, and I'm not saying other people were not, but I can say this. Uh, as someone, you know, you see it oftentimes in um, minority communities. It's like, well, other people attacked, yes, but, but, but we knew we are the minority in this. And so if we know we're the minority and you know there are certain attacks that are going to come, don't allow it to happen. Take that ammunition away. Um, you know, I was just on an interview yesterday and somebody made the comment, well, you know, I was in, in, in such and such a state and all, all of the other supporters for all the other candidates were so kind and pleasant and helpful, but the Bernie, Bernie um, you know, uh, staff, 
they were, they were so confrontational and we try to go up to a door and they block us. Really every single Bernie candidate, but it only takes, I mean, staffer only takes one. And we right. know that it only takes one. Yeah, and the problem is that it's it's a, it's it's the it's the narrative, right? The narrative. This is this is why you're in a catch twenty two, and this is why I actually think, and I have a lot of critiques of of Bernie and the campaign and sort of some of the things that happened, but frankly, this is why I believe that this is probably as best as we we could have done is because those narratives, like, <clears throat> okay, Bernie could have been more aggressive, but you know, every sixty plus year old white lady that I know. Um, thinks that he was already too angry and mean from 2016. <laughs> so then, like, if he's confrontational or adversarial, it feeds into that, right? He's also, he's also, let's be honest, he's he's a good Democrat. He's caucused and worked with the Democrats in the, in the Congress, in the House, and in the Senate for decades, or, or over a decade, two decades. And so the fact is, when people said he's not even a Democrat, he's actually a very good Democrat. That's why he's friends with Joe Biden and doesn't say mean things to people. But the reason that his, but the reason his campaign failed was because it was too mean. No, I'm not. That's these are narrative questions, and you know, are there ways to strategically defeat those narratives? Yes, uh, but I understand that they're, they're very difficult, and I I sort of pull punches here because, you know, you have to be yourself, uh, for for that, and there's there's no room. Some you know that the the media and the establishment can create a situation where there's hardly any room to strategically work your way out of those narratives. Do you know what I mean? I do, but I, I, again, I have to go back to the fact that in this case, Bernie was treated as the, mi the minority, right? As the woman or the person of color. The way he was attacked, his, you know, the whole angry, angry guy, it's the angry black woman argument, um, the angry woman argument, like, oh, you know, um, in the same way that, uh, Elizabeth Warren or Kamala had to temper how they said things and had to be very cautious of wording. Bernie was in that in that same position because people already didn't want him to succeed. He took on the status of everyone he represents, which is working class, which are people of color, which are um, those who have always been forgotten. And so they treated him as such as a candidate. And as a result, he had to run a campaign as if he were from one of those groups himself. Um, and unfortunately, I think that um, when it came time to prep him, um, he wasn't able to, to switch and understand that that was now the position he was in. And he was in it in 16 as well. Um, yeah, because I mean, he was speaking for the rest of us. Yeah, I kind of look at it like, you know, the other dynamic that nobody really talks about, pe people are quick to say, well, Bernie didn't do as well this time. Actually, he did better, in my opinion. But there's a, there's a dynamic from 2016 whereby uh, it was just Hillary. So an, an independent-minded, um, you know, somebody in Iowa, an independent-minded person would, would caucus for Bernie because they don't like Hillary. Well, in 2020, that sort of, that cohort of, of folks... You know, what do you want to call them, Midwestern or Southern, like where, where Biden's kind of cleaning up? That they, had, they had a pick of Klobuchar, Mayor Pete, Beto. Um, they had a full Bloomberg. They had a full host of folks. And, of course, he still wins the first three contests. Now, I think, you know, the, the context is just different. And so, yeah, some of the numbers didn't look so, so great. Um, but then he just got, you know, he got the, the campaign got jumped 
when everybody you know coalesced quickly and 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 laid down um and again i i don't i don't think it was like fixed i'm not saying oh you know the establishment fix was in but you know when when klobuchar and you know especially you know beto o'rourke um cory booker i mean these guys were talking about biden like you know he's he's not up for it we're up for it you know Julian Castro said in a debate he couldn't put he couldn't remember the beginning of a sentence at the end of the sentence. Kamala Harris said that girl was her, but when Obama gets on the phone, they just lay down. That's party. That's party politics. So okay, I mean, I can ex I, I can I can understand what happened, um, and still you know that's just what happened. And 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 things like that. I don't think when it's clearly you against the field, um, you know. This is bound to happen, and that's what happened. And of course, Elizabeth Warren. That's that's I have. I have just as much problem with Elizabeth Warren as I think I have with Biden, um, because that just turned out to be a big nothing, like a big. It didn't do anything other than hurt Bernie. She didn't really get any traction. She didn't. She did, she actually did worse, uh, like in her in her home state. She couldn't, and then she just got desperate and and started like saying weird shit and then just bowed out and just disappeared it was a it was a big nothing and i'll tell you speaking of activist friends i hope we get to this at some point but i'm really disappointed in some of our activist friends how they equivocated and sort of was like oh, i'm gonna go i'm gonna go warren and i, and I don't know whether that's sort of like a careerist thing or an identity politics thing or just trying to like just trying to appease, trying to like negotiate beforehand and be like, I'm not going to go all the way this way. I'm going to do this. And you can see that when you do that, there's nothing to it. I mean, I'm not going to criticize the people who work for Working Families Party, but I'll criticize the orga organizational decision to like, I mean, what did that do? That's a, that's a fucking embarrassment, actually. At this point, wouldn't you? I mean, I'm not going to ask you the question, but I, in my opinion, I consider that a real, a real embarrassment, a real, a real stain on them. Um, that, that that you know they didn't release the voting numbers. They endorsed Warren. To what end? Just went the whole campaign went nowhere because she's not like no one's really interested in that technocratic, you know, stuff. So that was that was really disappointing from like an activist perspective. But again, we, we are where we are. Yeah. I think a lot of activists were, um, it would, you know, in their heads, it was Bernie or Warren. Um, you know, you know, CPD endorsed Bernie, but uh, if you speak to any, most people in, in, in CPD will tell you that if they had the choice between either, you know, if it came down to either one, they'd be pleased. Um, but their choice in Bernie was if you, if you, if you have to make a choice today, who would it be? And it would have been uh, Bernie, I don't know uh, working families, you know, rationale. Um, but again, you know, Warren has done some some really great things for us as a senator. Um, and she's she hasn't been as aggressive, in my opinion, as I would have liked uh, as a presidential candidate. Um, but I think that, um, you know, and even in th something as important to me as Medicare for all, um, I, I was, I was angered by the showing of her hand so quickly about what she'd be willing to negotiate with, um, 
you know, the truth is none of us will ever get the bill that we want in any policy exactly as written. But we all know from negotiating uh, one-on-one, uh, we just try to sell an item online and we negotiate. You never tell someone your bottom line. And um, I, my concern was that she did. Uh, she showed how low she would go. And we know that Republicans will always ask you to go lower. Um, and and that was that was my big concern. And that was uh, a point where it made me very, very wary when people after the fact uh, were were so comfortable um, with with following her. Um, prior to that, she kind of went on the same lines as Bernie. Uh, she was a little bit more hesitant with with her her words, trying to um, you know not get herself pigeonholed. The truth is, how are you going to pay for it? The president doesn't even decide that. And what one of the things that angered me with both Bernie and Warren was that they never said that. Congress determines how we pay for it. Um, and, you know, and, and yet she allowed herself to come out with these plans. It was great to say, I have a plan for that. And it was a great catch line. But at a point, you're lying to the public about what you can actually accomplish. Um, and, um, and, and, it's, and it puts you in a position that forces you to now speak, speak against policies where in the past, you supported them. And now speaking against the person who uh, kept trying to explain ways to, to pay for it, but also never deviated from the plan in the first place, which was Bernie. But, um, and as the more and more that she came out with plans, the more and more that she had to, uh, she was forced to pull away from Bernie, which was in my opinion, a detriment to her. Um, but uh, I don't think that, um, I don't know. I think that I, I agree with you. I think Working Family Party, uh, Families Party, jumped the gun with their endorsement. Um, I think that it was, you know, the first time that grassroots really, really got involved from an early stage. And I think that it was with the idea that it would be different than 2016. Let's carry somebody over the line. Um, but, uh, you know, I think it's important for a candidate to show what they are willing to do, what their people are willing to do, things like that before, before you jump in with an endorsement of that size um, with so many working families behind it, literally. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I know that at some point there will be a debrief in, in the grassroots community and we'll learn, you know, what people's thought processes were and, you know, the goods, the bads, and, and how we can work together later on. Um, I do know that as times changed, uh, Working Families Party and uh, others came together to, to push agendas that were very important. And, and I think that like any endorsement, oftentimes you can, um, you see a piece of a candidate that you're not too excited about. Um, and, and then you try to use your influence to, to change them and, and bring them back a little bit. Um, yeah, I think you, it works, you, sometimes it doesn't. Yeah, I mean, you hit on a good point. And I, I guess that's, my thing i had this conversation with somebody a day or two ago like when there's a debrief and you know we go over it i just hope that there's lessons learned because like that's i think we have to be one of the things we have to do better is l learn the lessons quicker um because l wait you know you know time gets crunched and you know you think you have time to 
you know, uh, go a different way when really you got to get you got to sort of get on board and do this now. Um, it's not a lot of time for fooling around. Um, but it, th- this brings me to two things because this this particular incident is illustrative for me, and I've been thinking about it a lot lately. And it's it's important for two reasons. Number one, it talks about maybe where our activism should go going forward, and I'm going to be interested to ask you that part of it. But back to Biden, back on the political part of it. I've been, I've been upset um, for about a week, and I, and and this is why. Uh, back when Kavanaugh was uh, in front of the Judiciary Committee, and everything, <coughs> uh, sort of, his history had come to light, and sexual assault allegations had come to light, and we went down there uh, to do actions down there to make sure people were watching this hearing and you you gave me a, a, a piece of tape with a, I believe women written on it I still I still have it I have it I have it on my shoulder strap I've had it on my my bag my message on my bag ever since it's faded but I know what it is um and I I you know I, I'm a, a complicated person I I remember hearing the stories and, and following it and going down there and thinking like you know, people people know I was in a fraternity, and they know, you know, I went to college in the 90s, um, you know, and I was kind of an immature person. I drank a lot and did drugs, etc. And, you know, I can remember, you know, being aggressive with women, touching them, touching them and shit, and, like, either, like, that works or they, like, get the fuck off of me, and then you get off of them. Like, I don't have any clear recollection of anything further than that, or I don't even have any clear recollection of, of every incident, but I know that these things happened. I know I did them. I'm fucking embarrassed. I'm, I'm ashamed. You know, it's like, it's embarrassing. And so I deal with that, you know, however I try to deal with it every day. Cause I still think about it all the time. Um, and it's, you know, it's, um, it's, a, it's, you know, it's just something I always had to think about and, and, and evolve about. And so I thought a lot about Kavanaugh, and I thought a lot about myself, and, you know, this guy's a despicable person. He had all these other things with the, with the $100,000 in baseball tickets and cash and all this stuff. But we went down there and did what, we, what I thought was right to draw attention to that. Now, Joe Biden, I listened to the interview that he did with Katie, Hal- that Katie Halper did with uh, Tara Reid. I haven't seen that yet. Uh, it's, it's, a, it's just an audio interview. It's about an hour long. And the feeling I get from just being me and knowing Joe Biden's history in Delaware, knowing what it was like in the 90s, and hearing her retell the story, Joe Biden seems like he's a rapist. And so, like, nobody wants to, like, talk about it while everyone pretty much knows it's true, like when you're pulling women onto your lap, when you're cupping their face, when you're sniffing their hair, when you're kissing them on the face and the lips, uh, throughout your whole career, and there's stories that have been told about his office, et cetera, et cetera. This, in my view, this allegation is true. And... People are ignoring it for political reasons, for political expediency. 
I understand that. I'll accept that. But I, what I don't understand is why you sent us out there. Not you. I don't mean you, Carrie. I mean the why. Why we were sent out there to do what we did with Kavanaugh, and now we're supposed to pretend <clears throat> that Joe Biden's fine. You know, Al Franken was run out of the Senate for goofing around. Now, was it good? No. Was it funny? Not especially. Did the woman who he goofed around with on stage and, and stuff and took all his photos and stuff, did she, <clears throat> was she uncomfortable? Did she like it? No. And is it a fireable offense? Maybe. But we're playing off of two separate rule books here, and I'm, I'm kind of tired of it. And I feel like I feel like I'm being used. Like we're sent out to go argue all of these arguments. But nobody really cares about them. Because when it's not politically expedient, they don't matter. And and I and and, and it, it um yeah, I mean that's it. That's what I've been thinking about. No, I, I hear you and and I um you know, I, I, I've thought about it also, and I, but I also, here's the thing, and I, and I can't speak for all communities, but I do know that, um, especially our community as far as Center for Popular Democracy and so on, um, you know, this virus has, has really stopped us in our tracks for so many things, right? Um, you know, when we were staging protests about Kavanaugh, we could put people in buses and show up and, and, and make it a big deal. Um, you know, we've been practicing how to make things a big deal on the internet and having like internet protests, but they're not getting the attention. Um, and the key also that we have to remember uh, when it comes to, to civil disobedience is it's, it's for not if it doesn't get the attention, right? Um, if we do it right now, and there is no reaction, uh, if, if, if it, it doesn't make it to mainstream media, if people don't hear about it, um, then it can actually backfire on us. Well, just to be clear, I'm, my, um, I'm not conflicted because I think we should be doing actions about this. I'm conflicted because no one's even talking about it. Because we're because we, for 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 good reason, went and did an action. But that's not even the part of it. Um, Kavanaugh was was vilified, um, rightfully so, um, and a lot of attention was paid to it, and a lot of words were said and things were written about it. Um. It's a, it's just a double standard. Like I, I don't think there obviously there can't be an action right now or there can't be an effective one. We haven't figured out that yet because of the situation we're in. But I'm not I don't I wouldn't I don't even think I would be calling for that necessarily. That action was because there was a hearing on his confirmation. So that's that was the event that needed to be acted upon. There's no real event right now. Uh, it's just the fact that you know, if if there was a credible uh, rape, there was credible rape against Trump, and we talked about it all the time. We still talk about it. We should. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, you know, I I don't know. I you know, I guess Bill Clinton's absolved now. 
Um, but you know, all of all the people that flew to Little St. James with Ep- with Epstein uh, were mostly Democrats. Yeah, yeah. like I, I, I'm tired of I'm tired of believe some women. I'm tired of that because I. F- and it's it's not even believe some women. It's believe uh, women when it w- promotes what we need it to promote. That's insulting. It is. It is, and and it it, it continues the, it makes it so that uh, women are still victimized, right? So, um, and and, uh, most women have had some type of victimization, including myself, and I I think you know my story, but if not, um, you know, we we know, and we know that uh, oftentimes to get justice is determined by if it is necessary for somebody else. Um, Otherwise, we often will. Um, get lost in the in, in the shuffle. Um, you know, this particular woman. It wasn't the first time she told anyone, um, but he had to be a, a viable presidential candidate. Um, but the, but then you know there begs the question: Why was it silenced when he was a vice president, vice presidential candidate, or even during his time as vice president? Um, there's 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 so much that needs to be tended to when it comes to uh, crimes that violate a person's body, whether male or female, um, that we really have to consider. Um, and, and it's something that we as, a, we as a nation and as a world, we just take for granted something that you suffer with silently. Um, and even making it so public for a person uh, is dangerous, but unfortunately, we do have these power power structures that uh, feel that they have free reign with anyone who enters um, their domain. Um, and as a person who does not have that same amount of power, uh, there is a concern: Will people even believe me? Um, and that's something that we really need to to consider, and we have to change as a culture. And it doesn't come down to just one particular thing. Um, and but there is that question and. Um, you're not alone and I'm not alone. And many of us out there that are thinking about, well, what's the difference and how can we make a difference? Um, I I personally, I'm not sure. Is it enough to just call it out? Um, How do we change any types, you know, different types of rules and and, and settings and and, and things like that? Um, And those are those are the concerns that I have, and I think you you too. I, I'm not sure. Do you have an answer? I, because I personally don't. I guess. Yeah, and I guess I I I, I don't. Uh, my my answer, I guess, is only a little bit of humility, uh, or a or or like a little bit of like. Yeah, I mean, if you're going to be so so nakedly, sort of um, contradictory. And I know, like, I don't, I don't, I hate hypocritical arguments because it's like everybody's a hypocrite. Like, it's, it doesn't mean anything to be like, oh, I, I got you, you know. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, we should be a little more humble about where we are, especially from like identity stuff, whether it's with gender or the sexual harassment, right? Like, we, we either all have to move forward at a speed we're all moving and bring everybody together, or we don't. We can't bring tens of thousands of people to storm the Hart office building for Kavanaugh and sweep Biden under the rug. We just can't do it. We have to come up with a consistent message. And this is probably a good time to sort of roll into 
Like, where do we go from here? And and again, I think that that's sort of working on where to spend the resources. And this is the this is the part how this ties in too. One of the things we kind of talked about a month ago was, you know, obviously our side's going to be underfunded, um, you know, because it's, you know, it's not the capitalist side. You know, it's not the side of capital. It's the side of people. And so they have all the money and we don't. Um, so I think it becomes even more important to try to get the message tight and focused because, going back to this original thing, we spent a lot of uh, blood, sweat, and tears going down and protesting that hearing where Kavanaugh was confirmed to the Supreme Court. And the same people are defending Joe Biden now uh, for reasons that are very creepy. And so what my thing is, do we... Did, I think we wasted our time doing that. We wasted our resources. I think that that was a big waste. And, and we can't afford to do things like that, not just that, not because it was sexual assault or, or a Supreme Court thing, but just in general. If it's, if it's something that you're going to disregard when it's convenient, then we probably shouldn't bring 50,000 people for the day and go do a thing because you actually doesn't get us anywhere. You know, because you, you're just I, doing... I, I, I would beg to differ. I mean, we, you win some, you lose some, and it, and it sounds bad. Unfortunately, when it comes to women's rights, we lose a lot more than we win in general, but we, we can't stop. And I say that because we brought so many people for the ACA fight, and while they try to chip away at it, they weren't able to fully repeal it and, and rip it out from under our feet. Um, but I, I do get the overall feeling that you have, and, and it does feel like that. And I think a lot of people, when you see what's happening with, there was some empowering moments with the Kavanaugh hearing. Um, and then there, you know, we got a little bit deflated when he won. Uh, well, when he was appointed, I should say he won, but when he was appointed. And then, uh, then you get things like this with, uh, with Biden. And, you know, sometimes people get hit so many times, they're wondering, is this the way to go? And, and in the same way that you're saying it. And yeah, and I, I guess, I, I, and, and you know me, I mean, we, I'm, I'm ready to take a loss. Like, I, I like being on the underdog, and if we go one and nine, I'll celebrate the one. Yeah, yeah. So it's actually not about that to me. It's, it's not about the fact that Kavanaugh was confirmed. I assume Kavanaugh would be confirmed. My issue is something like this. For the, for, there was an interregnum during that time where Chris Coons and Ben Sass worked together to get a week's worth of like delay for some investigation, you know, some cursory mm -hmm, investigation. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And you and I remember this very well because we live here, but Coons was feted at like a, a meeting yeah. he went to. Everybody stood up because he, he reached across the aisle to Ben Sass and made the FBI do a cursory review of a few documents probably. And then a week later, uh, Kavanaugh is confirmed. Yeah. Now, I, I'm guessing that Chris Coons doesn't, isn't going to speak about Joe Biden's behavior in the way that he spoke about Brett Kavanaugh's behavior. So it's not the fact, it's, it's, it, it's, it's, a, um, it's just blatant cravenness. 
and I don't care. Like the winning and losing or succeeding and failing is not actually what's the most important thing to me. The most important thing to me is to have an idea and stick by it. Because take sexual harassment or gender issues uh, like this, gender power dynamics, um, rape, rape culture, all that. If it's only if we only bring it up when for political reasons, we're never going to get anywhere. We're not making any progress. Because as soon as we say it's okay that Biden did it in the mid-90s, then we have no moral ground to do anything. Mm -hmm. And so I feel like we have to find, we have to find consistent moral ground to be able to go out and do actions and do movements and do projects that people will believe. Because when you, when you, when it's, when you, when you blatantly apply it politically, blatantly, then nobody believes us. Right. That's where I'm coming from. No, I, I, I agree. And uh, I think that's, um, it's hard to, I want to be very clear with, with something here. So I hear what you're saying as far as your argument. Um, it's hard to have this argument when it comes to sexual assault. And, and anybody that doesn't know me and is listening, you need to know that um, sexual assault is something that I have uh, no, um, like you, they could never place me on a jury because I'm like bury them under the jail, uh, especially not sex assault in general, but especially pedophilia. Like um, I believe everybody's body is their temple. Uh, uh, you know, we always talk about one in four women and in their lifetime, but one in six boys before the age of 18. Um, this is an epidemic and that's just, you know, numbers here in America. And so I don't want anybody hearing this thinking that I, and I know Rob well enough to know that he's not trying to make light of anybody's um, experience. Um, again, me personally, uh, I dealt with molestation as a child and then my time in the service, uh, with, with attempted rape and not being able to say anything because I thought I would lose my job because I ser served under don't ask, don't tell. Um, these, are, these are major things that people deal with uh, and, and we, we cannot forget that. But I think, and, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, is um, we should be there for anybody who has been victimized um, or as a survivor. I don't, I don't wanna take on that thing. We've, we've survived so much and, and we've overcome those weights of of our assault. However, um, I think what you're also saying is if we, if we want to change the system fundamentally, right, we want to knock down the house, tear apart the foundation and start fresh, uh, we've got to pick and choose our battles. And in order to sometimes stand up for those who have, are survivors of sexual assault, we have to first start with other winnable battles first so that we then have the power to actually affect some change and, and allow there to be some healing that we can participate in for those who have been uh, assaulted in some manner. Um, and in, in, in that respect, I completely agree with you. We need to figure out where we hold power now so that we can then expand it um, and, uh, until the point that it is, is, is large enough that we can affect change on so many levels um, and create the type of society that we want to live in. Yeah, I, I, I thank you for that. Um, first of all, yeah, I mean, you know, we've talked before, so, you know, 
the your experiences are are um, really heavy. You know, it's profound, and and specifically on uh, sexual crimes and and that sort of stuff. Yeah, I mean, I'm using this as an example of where there's an an issue with our sort of underlying moral standing. Um, but I think it goes further than just sexual assault. And in the case of this, I'm actually arguing for more, although I'm saying it like, we, why did we do that? I'm actually trying to make it a bigger issue. And why are we interrogating this Biden story more? Why? Like I'm, I'm on, like I'm on the, this deserves every attention, not fleeting attention or no attention or politically sort of motivated attention just needs attention. And, and that's sort of where I'm coming from on that side of it. Um, but again, yeah, I think ultimately big picture, what you said is exactly right. If you want to fundamentally take apart the mechanisms that are there for capital to oppress people, to alienate people, to disenfranchise people, and to make money off of people's labor. Um, we have to, it's got to be in a, we have to, you know, uh, we have to do it in a, in, a, in a way of solidarity. We have to come together um, and be, I guess, I, I guess I'm talking myself out of sort of out of the electoral politics realm um getting there more and more like i'm starting to hear people talk about that because frankly if if the fact is that those are the concessions that need to be made um to break through say a say a, a party machine then i don't know if we have a place i guess what i mean is like i don't know for example i think bernie or this movement after bernie or whatever you want to call it, um, is going to need to be a separate party. Um, because the, the, the mechanisms of the party uh, are there to protect capital interests. Um, they're there to promote capital interests. Um, you know, th that's just what it is. And I think ultimately when you get to the end of it, if, if you hook your wagon to that, and you say it's all about just beating the opponent. And so if if Obama's behind Biden, yeah, maybe he did a rape, but you know, Trump did rapes too, so you know, that's not going to I don't there's I don't I don't see how we play that game. I think we have to organize now that we have made a lot of progress in the last 10 years. We need to organize around something that can really do damage um, to the status quo and to the capitalist machine. And I don't know whether the party is that. Yeah, I, I hear what you're saying. Um, uh, here, here is my dilemma with that. Um, we, we as uh, people-centered folks, I, I shy away from progressive, as you know. I don't use that term because too many people use it and they're, they're full of it. Agreed. Um, but, uh, but as people-centered folks, we have a tendency to jump because it feels good right um because it's the quote-unquote right thing to do but we don't come truly organized right we don't have a plan to get there it's great to have a to say we want another party but there have been a lot 
of attempts at other parties, right? Uh, but they haven't built up the, the structure quite the way it should be. Uh, and, and that is my concern. And, and, and I'm not saying let's not try to get there, but in the meantime, I don't think we should drop the ball in trying to affect the party that we can have some influence on until we have all the structures in place to be able to have more than two parties in the United States that are actual viable parties, not, uh, you know, it makes us feel a little better to be a part of them, because, but we know that we really only have two choices, right? We, if we're going to do it, we have to go all in. We have to have a plan. We have to know um, how it is that it will be funded, how it is that it will actually be in all states, how we will be able to have a primary process just like all the other two parties. We have to be legitimate. Um, but I do think there would be value in it. Um, but in the same way that I often caution us as a, as a, as a movement and too quickly say, oh, this is a great policy, let's jump behind it without considering the, the uh, collateral damage. Uh, one example I can bring up is, um, you know, releasing people from prison. I think that is an important thing to do under the coronavirus and just in general, but especially with the coronavirus, uh, you know, it's great to call for it, but what do we have planned for when our brothers and sisters are released into an economy that is losing jobs um, for those of us who don't have a record? And we already know, even in the best economies, if you have a record, how hard it is to get a job. And, so, and we also know that the, the, the biggest determinant of crime is lack of opportunity. So now we, we release people from prison to go into the community with no opportunity, no plan to make sure that they have some funding to make sure they can care for themselves. Um, and then we force them to survive which results in crime, which puts them back in prison, which creates this atmosphere of those people. And those people being minorities or low-income white people, that is a narrative that is already there, which we would perpetuate on our own. And so we can't fall victim to what the establishment parties have done, which is to pat themselves on their, uh, the back for a, a half-butted uh, um, piece of legislation that leaves people hanging in the margins. And I wanna make sure that when we create another party, when we create this truly strong third party, that those are parts of our model, that we consider all collateral damage. And yes, there are going to be things that we cannot stop, but our practice comes from our issue campaigning. And if in our issue campaigns, we cannot even think beyond, okay, let's just release them. Yeah, but now what? That is a concern to me. And so uh, Sean King often says, it's not enough to be right. You have to have a strategy that is bigger than the problem. And oftentimes we don't have that. Yeah, and I think that's kind of where I'm coming from too. It's, it's sort of like you describe it with our outlook on criminal justice. I mean, if, if somebody like Joe Biden or Kamala Harris really – or, or others, if that's the, if that's the uh, establishment standard bearer for the Democratic Party and they and, 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 the, and the, the institutions um, and the structures that are there, that's what it is. 
based on our view of, say, something like criminal justice, that's illegitimate. Because these people, I mean, Joe Biden doesn't even support recreational marijuana. So do you think you think we're going to have any joy of any of this if that's, you know, if the 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 establishment is coalesced around somebody who has those sort of historical views? I don't know what views he has now. It's hard to tell. But historically, he hasn't been good on these things. Um, so, like, yeah, that's where I'm sort of like, uh, uh, you know, We've been we've we've been confined to this box where we haven't had the flexibility or the movement, the range of movement to even strategize big things. Like you're saying, we need a we need a bigger plan. But if 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 we're going to be kept um, constrained by illegitimate structures, and we don't have the room to stretch our legs, we don't have the room to stretch our minds, we don't have the room to strategize uh, in, a, in a large way or in an imaginative, creative way because we're confined by, like, by that, then I see no other way than to break free of that and just, and just try something, go out on our own. Because I think the, the mechanisms are what is constraining us, I think. It's true. However, however, and, and, and you know, Bernie is someone that, you know, we would love to see elected and things like that. But even he knew that he needed the party structure in order to win going into a general. And that's what I'm saying. Yes. We are, the unfortunate facts is we need resources beyond sweat equity, right? We can get a long way. Uh, and, 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 but at, at that particular level, um, we need to have financial resources that, and we have to have a structure that goes across the nation. And so again, <laughs> Breaking away has to happen, but we have to make sure while we're waiting for it to happen, while we're building this strategy, we don't lose sight. That, that is part of the problem with, with people who are uh, guided by their, by their hearts is, um, you know, we, for instance, we had the civil rights movement and a lot came from it. And then people are like, look how far we've come. And then we had Republicans think, oh, we're going to make sure we put these people back in their place. And they took decades calmly sticking to it. We have to make sure we don't lose a hold on our party while we're trying to create something better. We can't think that we're doing something wonderful and not realizing that somebody else is creating a plan to tear it all apart. Um, and we have to make sure the, the, the biggest variable, the, the, the biggest obstacle isn't the, the establishment on either side of the aisle. The biggest obstacle is ourselves. We have to convince the average American that we have the power to create the change that we need. We have to convince the average American that we, our struggles truly are connected. And until we do, a party will not develop. And so long as, and we see it all the time, and people will get upset with me, but we see organizations and they're, they're great people doing great things, but they're still within their own circle. And until we, as people-centered people, realize that our circle has to look a little different and feel a little different than what we're comfortable with, will never expand our reach the way it needs to be expanded. Um, and so it could be criminal justice reform. You'll have groups that deal with criminal justice reform that are all white, that are all black, that are all Hispanic. 
but they're not working together, right? And so you lose the ability to move forward as a people. And, and regardless of the issue, until we get to a point where we're truly working in unison, uh, the establishment will be able to pull us apart and have us point at each other, uh, at each other as if we are victimizing each other. And that is not the case. And, um, and so, again, I agree with you, but I just want to make sure that as we go, that we are we're creating a full strategy, that we aren't stopping what we're doing now to fully change course, but that we, we are aware of our current bearings and are charting a new course at the same time. Yeah, I mean it's a it's a fair point, and and I and I agree with the with the original sort of point that as a vehicle to run for president, like Bernie did as a as a leader of the movement, that was the only way to do it. Like there was no from an electoral standpoint. Yeah, I mean at this point you're right. There's no reason to abandon that now. That would be that wouldn't be strategic at all. But I guess I'm just there. We're we're going to have to make that that demarcation now we're going to have to be able to say sort of what bernie couldn't say or didn't say or it was this wasn't it's just not him to say it that you know joe biden is actually not electable for reasons x y and z uh, joe biden is bad for you for reasons x y and z joe, or, or or whatever it happens to be but he couldn't you know it's just not what he does but if that's a critique, then we're going to have to start doing that even more. And it's going to be very difficult because, again, we're, you're expected to then just because it, because people look at it as an electoral thing, you're expected to just fall in line and give up and then go fight again in two years or four years. And that's just can't that can't happen. That can't happen. We have to draw we have to draw clear lines of demarcation now. Regardless of what Donald Trump is doing or, or the coronavirus or whatever, not that that none of all of that's important, but from a from a movement standpoint, the same people are going to suffer. The same people are going to have no health care, um, bad access to food. The environment's uh, you know, you know, Delaware will be underwater first. Um, yeah, that's that's going to continue unless we start making those those distinctions now. It's true. Uh, you're right. And we do need to make those distinctions. And I think that we also need to uh, be very aware of how we make those distinctions. And remember, everybody's human. And you and I had this conversation before. And you've, you've, uh, I've, I've seen how you, you've changed how you approach people. But remember, uh, and, and I encourage all listeners to remember that we all have triggers. And the person who believes Biden believes in him as strongly as we believe in our selected candidate. Um, and somebody coming to us and saying, uh, Bernie is this or that and blah, 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 we shut down or we become defensive and, and or we think that they're imbeciles or whatever it is, um, but the conversation stops. We have to remember it happens the same way in reverse. If we attack without reason, if we attack with, uh, with judgment instead of trying to figure out where a person is and how we can get them to move. Uh, and and again, we need all hands on deck. We need to not assume that everybody has the information that we have. And people have very different experiences. Um, you know, I, I heard from someone yesterday when talking about health care and they're a Biden supporter. And they're like, well, I don't want to lose my health care and my husband's health care. Well, but what about your kids? What about your grandkids? Um, 
people are losing jobs right now because of the coronavirus. So um, you might feel that you have really secure health care because you're retired and things like that, but there are no longer pensions in the majority of jobs. And so your children and grandchildren will not have the same opportunity as you, right? It's hearing their concerns. It's saying, I understand you don't want it, but do you want something bigger for your family, right? Um, if we immediately jump on them and judge them for their perspective and taking care of their own, um, there's a problem. We all, we, we might not want to admit it, but um, push come to shove, if, if Susan was coming through the door and was starving to death and, and somebody else was there starving to death, Susan would get the bowl of, of whatever you had. Not because you didn't have some type of compassion for the other person, but because by our nature, we must help our own first. And we have to remember that when people are selecting a candidate, they're trying to help their own first. And we have to show them that the community does better, your family does better, when we all have these types of safety nets in, in, involved. Yeah, I mean, I hope that that's persuasive enough. I mean, this is the argument we've been making. Um, I, I mean, I am um, certainly when you look at the policies, they're popular. You know, Medi Medicare for all is popular. $15 minimum wage, popular. Um, aspects of the Green New Deal are incredibly popular. So at, at that at that level, I feel like we're making with that. There's progress there. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I haven't, I certainly haven't, um, that hasn't escaped my attention and I'm happy about that. It's just that, you know, I think we get into these things where, you know, I, I don't know. I think there are folks who do, do politics like that. And it's just like, well, kind of what, what's, what's, what are my people doing? And I'll sort of do that. And that's sort of, but, but that's breaking down sort of a cultural thing. That's a, that's almost like an identity thing. Like, th especially around here with Joe Biden and others, it's like, because it's so small, it's like, Oh, I saw him in Sears one time or, you know, he bought an ice Everybody cream. Everybody has their picture. Yeah. I mean, like that's um, like, we're, I'm, you're very good at it and being able to sort of like draw that out of somebody and, and kind of level set it and then go, I'm just like, if, if, if that's what's, I'm always like, if that's what's important to you, like, what am I supposed to say? Like, oh, you, you had your, you got your picture with him at the fucking Tasty Freeze in 1988. Like, uh, how do I, what do I, like, wh where's, where's my argument there? What do I say to that? You know what I mean? So you, you sort of get stuck. Like, we're talking today. I, I'm sure that you could have a reasonable conversation about Medicare for all or $15 minimum wage, those type of things with the Biden supporter. But again, uh, you know, can you say, yeah, the reason we're in this situation is because of he wants to cut Social Security and Medicare. He's tried to do it many, many times. This is just a truth. You know, it looks like he did a rape. This is just a truth. Like, I don't know. Is there another side to that? It's just that they don't believe it. I don't know. Like, yeah, he, we have him on tape saying he wants to cut Social Security and Medicare or that he wants to send everybody's brother and uncle and son to prison. Um. So I don't know. I, that's the part of the political part where I try to meet people where they am, where they are. I try to listen to sort of where they're coming from, but uh, some of it's quite baffling, I have to say. Oh, no doubt. Sometimes I, I, I I'm not going to sit here and pretend like um, there aren't people that I'm like, you know what? Let me work on somebody else who really wants 
to have a conversation. I mean, if people are presented with the facts and they still are just like, yeah, but he's a nice person, there's nothing we can do about it, right? Um, you know, it, it, and people will probably get upset with me for this, but it is what it is. Um, you know, you can speak to a Trump supporter and say, well, he lied, right? And, and they're like, well, I don't care. Um, it's the same thing. There is video footage of Joe lying. Um, you know, like saying that he uh, is okay with Social Security being cut uh, and, and, and other uh, safety net programs. And then when uh, asked about it specifically in a national debate, he said it never happened, right? Um, if people are that caught up, but the tr there's nothing you can do. Um, you can attempt to counter. So if, if that's your, your argument and they're just stuck on it, you can counter with something else. And if you go through two or three uh, examples and it's just, no, always Joe or always whoever, and it's not making sense, it's not adding up, then at a point you step away and you have to take your time on somebody else who would like to listen or who would like to learn. Uh, but we are in a situation here. You know, there's, there's, uh, I love Delaware, um, but there is a problem with a state that is so small that uh, you think that because somebody is enjoyable to hang out with, they might, if you call them, they're always there to help you if you have to move or anything like that. But if they're your elected official, and as I've, I said when I was running and I said now, they're your elected official and they remember your name and your story while you're in front of them, but forget you when they're voting, then, when it comes to being your legislator, they did not deserve that position, period. Um, but that's something we have to get people to come around to. Do you believe that they deserve that position? Uh, and it's also important, you know, uh, I've been attacked a lot. As you might know, I'm now a national committee woman for the, the party, and everybody attacked me saying I recruited all these primary candidates. Um, I believe in primaries. I think it makes our party stronger. It strengthens our democracy. It, it, it fuels um, our, our elected bodies with new ideas. And, and it doesn't make any one official feel like their position is guaranteed. However, it's important when we're running for office that we fully educate ourselves. Um, I don't want to get rid of one fool for another, right? I don't want somebody who says that they're running because somebody's old. I want to know what it is about their voting record that you had a problem with. If your platform mentions two or three issues, you should know those two or three issues inside and out. I'm not saying you have to know the answers to all the world's problems, but don't say these issues are that important to you and then you don't follow up and follow through. If you do that, you're on the road to being the same type of politician that you're saying you're getting rid of because they're not good for the community. Well, this is a point. I, I like this pointed criticism. <laughs> but I, I, I think it's important. Like I'm trying to, I'm trying cannot, to figure out. Who, I'm trying to figure out if I knew who but, this is. But we can't. We cannot. We cannot. Well, it's across the board. I've seen it in no, every I, state, right? Yeah. yeah, if, yeah. if if somebody, you cannot um, say that you have a particular problem or somebody's not right and not be able to be better than that. Uh, we, if we want to create change, yes, it's great to have another party. But what good is another party if we're putting out the same types of candidates? Yeah, I certainly look out for vanity projects. Like, yeah. That, that's not going to work. That's, yeah. That's no good. And, and, and the, that is something we really have to consider. Uh, 
And then here in Delaware, we are small enough where it, it is a concern about, you know, the connectedness to one person versus another, but we also are small enough to, uh, to be the crash test dummies about how to create something bigger and better than ourselves. Right. But I'm, we can't even move from our County. Newcastle doesn't deal with Kent who doesn't deal with Sussex at all in reverse. Yeah, it's tough. Well, this is a good, this is a good segue into the last thing I wanted to talk about, which is, uh, I think you are, are somewhat aware of, of some of the things that we're working on. Um, and we're, uh, we're moving on the, the media project that we talked about. Um, and we're really focusing on a lot of the things that you talked about. I know um, you were trying to. I know things have changed. You were trying to find some time to uh, sort of get more involved. I think that might still happen. I think that might still happen. Um, <laughs> but yeah, what you, what you're talking about is some of the things that we're really focusing on. Um, bringing bringing people into the room, even though you're like, well, I don't really know these people. Like being comfortable with the right group of people. Rather than just be like, you know, rather than just like finding your friends, for lack of a better, not that they're not my friends, but you know, you know what I mean? Uh, keep it, keep, keeping it diverse, having, and that way, you know, you have legitimacy across the state. You know, we're going to have Spanish, we're going to have Spanish language content uh, via uh, Erica Gutierrez and others. I think that's important stuff. Not only that, it also, I think, is a way to do two things. One is, Kind of really quickly, let me let me also throw in there if you could find somebody that can do Haitian content. It's our third most spoken language in our state. So just I'm gonna jot that down. I'm gonna jot that down. So, like Haitian Creole. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You know what? I I kind of knew that too because Nurse Susan runs into that uh, every so often um, doing doing healthcare. So yeah, but but not only does it so it it will it'll be a way to kind of bring all the three counties together because I definitely, I, you know, I, I, that's important. Um, but also it's a way to ho start holding some of the local people accountable that don't get held accountable that just sort of slide by because, you know, they're a rep or a Senator from, you know, a particular district. They kind of just do the party thing and they can kind of slide by a lot of them, you know, a lot of them up to now haven't been getting challengers. So yeah, the re the reason you get Let's shit not is forget because... our city councils either that are no. nonpartisan. And so we don't even know how to attack we have our school board members. Um, all of these areas are, are something to consider. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Yeah. So, Carrie, thank you so much for uh, spending time uh, while you're in lockdown with us. I appreciate Anytime. it. I appreciate it. I'm I can't wait to uh, see you in person when we're released. Yeah, when, we're, when we all get uh, full jailbreak. Well, you know, Susan, Susan's been saying that, um, you know, they don't know right now um, – what the reinfection rate could be like say in the fall or like how if you know what the whether you can get it twice whether you because it's, it's still been very short from you know la from late last year in china to now um so susan's like yeah the first thing i'm doing when they say to go outside is staying home stay at home for another week <laughs> because <laughs> there's a possibility that you know everybody wants to jump the gun everybody's going to be stir crazy everybody runs out uh, and we don't have a real good handle on so just Nobody just immediately run out and have like a hundred person orgy. Just calm down. Just take it real easy. Ease back into it. Um, so we, we, we know what we're doing and, and we don't infect our neighbors. Absolutely. And I, I just want to piggyback on that and say, uh, you know, it's not always about you. In fact, rarely is it about you. And so even if you think you're healthy, if you think that you uh, are low risk in any way, um, you can carry it to someone that you love. 
uh, or or if you don't have love, if you just have some compassion for that person, uh, stay home. It's not worth going out. Only go if you absolutely have to for food or to go to work. But otherwise, stay home. Figure out a, a home improvement project or a personal improvement project. Uh, but do not risk the well-being of the rest of us. And our economy will do better when we go back to work. But the sooner you stick your butt in the house, the sooner we get to go. So uh, it's all dependent on you as an individual, making sure that we make it through this sooner than later. Absolutely agreed. We uh, we agree with that too. It's it's a it's a nasty uh, respiratory disease, folks. And even if you even the people who recover, it's not it's not pleasant. So don't go spreading it around. Listen listen to Carrie. Listen to uh, the information you're getting from the Department of Health. Um, probably don't listen to any federal information because it's not good. Uh, but you know you know how that goes. Um, I do want to give a nice shout out to uh, Greg and Two Stones. Uh, about a week ago, he snuck up my back alley, and I found a six-pack of beer. Uh, there was no we, we we kept social distancing, but I want to thank Greg and Two Stones for uh, for some Delco Lager. Um, Carrie, once again, thanks for uh, thanks for hopping on, and I I wish everybody uh, health and and safety for the next few weeks. Anytime, thank you again, and uh, you have a good one, also, Carl. <laughs> he said thank you, but from behind his mask, thank you. Okay, all right, take care, guys. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Okay.